0: Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. The Iron Flute, K-86. Kyozan sits in meditation. While Kyozan was doing Zazen, a monk came up quietly and stood next to him. Fugai comments, such a trick won't work. Aware of the monk's presence, Kyozan drew a circle in the dust with the character for water beneath it and then looked at the monk Fugai what kind of lure is that the monk could not respond Fugai a sprinter falls down Yogen Senzaki Kyozan's attitude was like that of a spectator on a beach, silently watching the waves curl and wet his feet. If I were that monk, I would have made myself Kyozan, raising my robe above the water and taking a step, or... I would have pushed Kyosan from his meditation seat, saying, Waves! Waves! Genro's Verse The character for water cannot quench one's thirst. But see how the giant billows rise. Nor can a painting of rice cakes subdue one's hunger. Fugai, here is a tray full of cakes. Kyozan's action brought no merit. Fugai, true Zen. Why doesn't he use his big stick on the monk? Guy. Too late. The big stick is already broken. Waking up this morning, 3.30, realizing I couldn't do anything, anything at all. I picked something up, it fell. I tried to put one thing into another, it didn't go. Oh, and this just broke. So this is the, what we might say, the transition between thinking we can do things thinking, and realizing, uh uh-uh, might as well give it up. What we might say is the late morning, maybe mid to late morning of our one day, things are definitely shifting. We're coming to know how to intensify our own suffering. Distractability. A moment's meandering awe. just a slight daydream, a fantasy, a memory, and all of a sudden we are really clear about our own pain. We may think it's the product of long, sitting and sleepiness, but in fact, until we give completely over to this extraordinary process called Rōhātsu, we will be seduced or lured into such misery. So this is the good news, right? Misery, suffering is optional. It's up to you. The sun this morning sparkling, pure white, shining such delight. So, according to the calendar. today is December 3rd. Ten days ago, my uncle Arthur Wasserman passed away. And yesterday, December 2nd would have been his 92nd birthday. He was a very important presence in my life. He was 16 years older than I. And he was a man of such integrity, valor, nobility. In Judaism, we might call him a tzaddik, a righteous man, an exceptionally good person of hidden virtue. He was a brilliant musician. He had a beautiful tenor voice and played many instruments. His favorite was the cello. He went to MIT, was a Rhodes Scholar to Oxford University, became a nuclear physicist, Later, an executive with Alice Chalmers, commuting to then Soviet Union. And then a dean at a Jesuit college. And in his retirement, he went to law school and became a legal aid society lawyer, and a mentor to inner-city youths in Milwaukee. So my first memory of him is sitting in my grandmother's house in Brooklyn with a thermometer in his mouth. It was... About a year after my father was killed, and despite my grandmother's imploring letter to Franklin Delano Roosevelt, her beloved youngest child was drafted too. And my grandfather, her husband, had died somewhat earlier when I was a baby. And so he was the only man that I had anything any familiarity with this man who was not so much older than I. So luckily, before he could be sent overseas, he got the mumps. And thus, sitting in the kitchen with a thermometer and holding me on his lap. Later, he fell in love with a Christian woman. And this, my grandmother could not allow. She and all of my grandparents came from Russia and Poland at a time when There were many Jews slaughtered by Christians and it was not something that she could take. She said, I will have to disinherit you. And what a decision for him. But his filial piety prevailed. And he gave up his relationship and later met a wonderful woman who was a student at Radcliffe. And they had a very beautiful, long marriage. And her her death came about a decade before his. And while they couldn't have children of their own, evidently a man having the mumps at a certain age can become sterile, they adopted two boys. And the older son went through years of addiction, It was so difficult, and they were just steady pillars. They never gave up. They just continued being with him no matter what, throughout years of very serious addiction to heroin. And later, I became familiar with the story of Ryokan. So because of the way they were just there for their son, he was finally able to free himself. And some of you know the poet Ryokan, the poet monk, who was asked by his sister and brother-in-law to come and help their dissolute son change his ways. They have said to him, please do something. His actions are harming others. They're bringing shame on the family. Come for a visit and give him a good talking to. So, indeed, Ryokan spent three days with the family. And they kept waiting for him to say something to their son. And three days went by, and not a word. So, finally, as he was preparing to leave, he motioned for his nephew to help him tie his sandals. And as the nephew bent down to do so, he felt something wet on his head. He looked up and he saw yokan's eyes brimming with tears, felt such deep remorse and a great resolve to change. I think for many of us, Sitting in this deep and dedicated way, there are things yeah. that come up. We do feel great remorse. So Our vow strengthens. Well, today in the Iron Flute, we meet an extraordinary person, Kyozan Ejaku, Kyozan or Gyozan, who lived from 807 to 883, so he passed away not too many years after Rinzai's death. Kyozan wanted to become a monk at an early age. He was so devoted to the life of a renunciate. His parents refused to allow it. He kept asking, please, I want to be ordained. Please allow me. No, you're too young. No, you need to stay here. No, you need to make something of your life. Finally, what did he do? Anyone remember? he took a knife and cut off two of his fingers and gave them to his parents. saying, I vow to repay my filial obligation, but I must do it through the dharma. parents said, okay, keep the rest of your fingers. They didn't say that. But such a burning vow he had. So today's case involves Kyozan and all the important Zen masters who came before him, with whom he was intimately involved. We go back to Daikan Enno Winong in Chinese, the sixth ancestor. The Sixth Ancestor had five Dharma heirs that we know about. There may have been a couple of women who didn't make it into the official lineage, as often happens. So one of his five heirs was Nangaku Eijo, and that line is familiar to all of us, right? Who comes after Nangaku Eijo? Asodoitsu and then? Yakujo zenji and then? Obaku Kiyun Zenji, and then? Rinzai Gigen, and, and all the successive masters whose names we chant, Teidai demple But there was another of the sixth ancestors heirs quite pertinent to this koan, and that was Nanyo Eichu Kokushi. Kokushi means national teacher. And he had one heir named Tongen Oshin. You some of you may remember. In the Mumonkan, Gateless Barrier, case 17, Chu Kokushi called his attendant three times. Three times the attendant responded. Who was that attendant? Can you speak a little louder? Tongen. That's right. As you may recall, the sixth ancestor devised a secret text with ninety-seven sacred circles, and he gave this text to Chu Kokushi, who in turn gave it to Tongen, his attendant, to whom he gave. Dharma transmission. And when he gave it to Tongan, he said, 30 years after I've died, a novice monk will come from the self who will greatly revive this teaching. When the time comes, pass the teaching on to him and don't let it end. Who was that novice monk? Thirty years after Chu Kokushi passed away. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Let me give you a hint. Case 86 of the Iron Flute. Hmm? Oh, thank you. Kyozan, right? That novice monk who came along 30 years later, turned out to be Kyozan, who came to practice with Tongan as predicted. And Tongan passed the secret teaching on to him as instructed. And then, a little while later, Tongan said, by the way, that text with the symbols I gave you, is extremely rare, esoteric, and precious," Kyozan said. "Hmm. Well, after I examined it, I burned it." <laughs> Tongan. What? <laughs> this Dharma Gate of ours can be entered only by a few. How could you burn it? Kyozan said, After examining the text, I fully comprehended its meaning. Then there was no use keeping it. But if you'd like another copy, no problem. I'll make one. And he sat down in front of his teacher and wrote the entire text out from memory. Now, as somebody whose memory is disappearing very steadily, I am amazed at this. How about you? 97 circles, a lot of teachings, a long text, just sat down... And there it was. The reason I am so encumbered by all kinds of little pieces of paper everywhere I go, this little thing, somebody said, I have to find that. What page was it on? Oh, I better not forget about this. Somebody wrote to me about that. And wherever I go, whatever office I have, it's just, I finally, before Rohatsu, I took this huge two piles of things on a shelf and put them in a closet. (laughs) and someone will burn them, I am sure. They are of no use to me. This is the point. It's not about memory. It's about that intimate... What he said. I fully comprehended its meaning." This is not an intellectual memorization, right? This is fully one with becoming his own. Why would he need to keep it? It's already none other than him. He is it. It is him but to be nice to his teacher. Here, here's another copy. So tang said, rare, esoteric, and precious. And to realize this, to truly comprehend the meaning in this way, This is unrepeatable. It cannot be something that someone else said. It must be from your own heart. And this is what we're doing here. This is what we are opening to. We might say, it is at once esoteric and absolutely ordinary. Hidden, revealed. Some of you remember case 23 of the Mumon Khan. The sixth ancestor was being chased by the monk Myo, who wanted to bring back the robe and the bowl he had been given in a secret nighttime transmission. So he told the monk Mio when he came to fetch them and couldn't lift them from the rock. He said, think neither good nor evil. This very moment, what is the original self of the monk Mio? At these words, Mio was directly illuminated, fully comprehended, and then he asked the sixth ancestor, besides the secret words and the secret meaning you have just now revealed to me, is there anything else deeper still? Eno said, what I have just told you is no secret at all. When you look into your true self, whatever is deeper is found right there. So we may hear In this Rohat session, ask ourselves, how did I come to be here? What have I been searching for? Of course, Rohatsu comes every year, same dates, November 30th through December 8th. So it's easy enough to plan around it. And for some of you, you just happened to have some time in your schedule where you could get away from work and it seems convenient that you could come but some of you truly felt rot calling your name <sighs> Calling, spreading its arms through the entire dharma dot. Come, 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 meet with your true. Self, and in truth, it's not you deciding to do this. It's not you thinking, oh, all right, I'll clear my busy life, then I'll go to session, or thinking, oh. I'm ordained, I have to go to Raatsu. And sitting, maybe in the beginning, it seems like, I have to clear my mind of all these distracting thoughts, all this extraneous nonsense that keeps coming up, and then I can enter fully into Mu. Does that work? No. Moo is always waiting for you. Arms open. Come, darling. Just come. Sōchū so Kokushi's prophecy. Who will greatly revive? Revive. This doesn't mean hold on to someone else's formulations, right? It means burn them. It means all stale concepts. I read this and so-and-so said that. Just to them, die to all such leftovers, as and Zenji said, cut at the root, and then just <laughs> just. Each period of Zazen, each standing up to bow, each walking Kinhin Sashu, each view of the mountain, the lake, to die to all of it and revive to be reborn. And in this prophecy, he also said, when the time comes, when is this time? Are you going to wait 30 more years? When is it? You have to answer, now, 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 no. no. And he also said, pass it on, pass this on. Let it radiate from your heart. To all beings. And Chu Kokushi's prophecy ended. Don't let it end. Why do we speak of these teachers' lives? Why do we chant Heidai Dimple? Hmm? We are, we are, yes, we are not separate, right? But how do we feel? Hmm? Grateful. This gratitude for the struggles of each one of these people we name. I bow to. Upholding the treasure that we have received and are receiving right here now. So, what is the best way to express our gratitude? Yes, bowing, yes, reciting the lineage, yes, learning. This dharma, so profound and vowing to master all the teachings, yes. But most importantly, we must burn what has been codified and recreate from our own true self. Nothing of value can be repeated. It must be first time coming from our own true self alive. So that's why we chant. Eventually, after 45,000 times of reciting the Heart Sutra, what happens? Where did it come from? Hmm? A line. One line. Anybody? You can look in your sutra book. See it written out. Recite it. No. No hindrance, therefore no fear. Hmm? No hindrance, therefore no fear. No hindrance in the mind, no hindrance. Therefore no fear. Where did that come from? Why does it come? This is complete intimacy. This is recreating. Creating. I take away the re. Really? Then word for word. First time. Only time. And therefore, each of us can experience this secret doctrine, this moment's esoteric revelation. Passing it on. Our responsibility. Not letting it end. This is the gratitude that infuses our lives and changes everything. So... Kyozan, having fully comprehended its meaning, and having written it out for Tangyin, left. And where did he go? Does anyone remember a person with whom he was extraordinarily linked, with so much so that. A new school was formed. A School of Zen was formed. Huh? I hear you whispering to each other, but how about saying it out loud? You may be wrong. It's okay. Huh? You would be wrong and that's okay. Anybody else? Isan Reyu, Isan Reyu, of whom we heard briefly yesterday. Hmm? Toksan had a brief encounter with him after leaving Rutan's place. So, anyway, Kyozan came to Isan and he asked, What is the true abode of Buddha? Isan answered, think of the unfathomable. Or in Daito Kokushi's admonitions, think the unthinkable, transmit the untransmissible. Or in the Diamond Sutra, what is the true abode of Buddha? The mind that abides nowhere. And then Isan said, return your thoughts to the inexhaustible, Numinous light. Now, if someone says to you, What is this business of esoteric Zen? I thought that was some other school. You can say, It's just the inexhaustible numinous light, which is shining. Through the day, through the night, when you are feeling joy, when you are completely taken over by misery, We chant every morning, Bodhisattva's vow. No one ever said, oh, Bodhisattva's vow is an esoteric chant. We shouldn't be doing that in Zen. So these are the kinds of idiotic things that go through people's minds sometimes. I know none of you would ever think that. Because when we're chanting Bodhisattva's vow, we are... All is the never-failing manifestation of its glorious light. This luminous light. Where does it come from? may think, oh, it comes from the birth of the universe. The sun, the moon, the stars. Return to that unfathomable, unthinkable, inexhaustible, numinous light. This is Isan speaking to Kyozan, speaking to each one of us. And Isan then said, When all thoughts are exhausted, you've arrived at the source where true nature is revealed, eternally abiding where the Buddha's abode is. That place where there is no difference between noumena and phenomena is the true abode of Buddha. Son's words, Kyozan, on experienced great enlightenment. The water, the trees, the mountain, the snow, the clouds, the sun, the breath, all directly manifesting this true abode. Each one of us sitting in this true abode. What did Chakyamuni Buddha say upon his great awakening. So on Roshi's calligraphy, wonderful. I and all beings together are perfect and complete just as you are, right here now, perfect and complete. Even though some little voice inside may be saying, well, I could be a little more perfect, or if only I got such and such, I'd feel complete. No, just as you are. And he said, the three realms are my home. Wherever you go, you are at home, and all sentient beings are my children. We can feel this sitting together this way, right? When we chant great vows for all, we can feel this. however innumerable, all my children. So, Ison and on. this immediate recognition, this deeply intimate spiritual relationship, this mind to mind, more than entangling eyebrows, direct one mind, they formed the Igyo school of Zen and revived the sixth ancestor's esoteric teachings. I've been going case by case successively through the Iron Flute. And some of you who have been around for some time may remember Case 16. Also, Kyozan and Isan up here. It tells of Kyozan standing quietly next to Isan. Not a word, just standing his hands in sashu, like this, not in gasho, not doing anything. Just sashu is translated by Nyogen Senzaki as free hands. The title of a poem by one of his favorite poets, Jakushitsu. So I'll read this to you, this poem. A flawless gem illuminates the whole mountain. It casts pure light in every direction. To attain this gem is not difficult. Just keep your hands off the cliff. Free hands. Now this flawless gem is Kongoji, Diamond Temple. That's our name. Snow in the sun, illuminating Daibosatsu Mountain. To wake up to this, to attain this gem, is not difficult. It casts pure light in every direction, It's manifesting always, as I said, everywhere. Just keep your hands, your mind free. No need to try to grasp after anything. Hands off, open hands. Nothing to give, nothing Nothing to receive. This is Isan and Kyosan. The two are of one suchness. So today, we have Kyozan sitting, and a monk comes up quietly and stands next to him. Perhaps this monk had heard of the story of Kyozan and Isan that I referred to, case 16 Fugai says, Such a trick won't work. Why does he say it's a trick? Mm, Any idea? Maybe it's not his. Maybe it's an artifice or a plan. I'm brave enough to go up and just stand there challenge him. But we get the feeling that maybe this monk is trying to show off, trying to display his knowledge, his grasp of something Someone else did. It's always tricky, isn't it, when there's a gap that's quite palpable between experience and action. And our practice is to close that gap. Not to reflect, now what should I do? But just be, be as it is. Be Umon. Be whatever wonderful mistake you may find yourself in. Just intimate. No agenda. No, I better check this out and see if it's right. Just no doctrine, no history. Let it go. No narrative. There's nothing to remember. This empty hands. Very reassuring when we feel the mind is going. Hmm? Anybody else feel your mind is going? Yeah. Congratulations. It's wonderful. So Kyozan notices this monk who has come up and is standing next to him. And he looks at him. Aware of the monk's presence, on drew a circle in the dust. Now you've heard about circle, right? Hmm? This is on Who has come, as predicted, who is carrying forth the Sixth Ancestors, Sacred, Text, and Circle. Never mind 97. One is all it takes. Luckily, there was some dust on the floor. Circle. This sacred circle, this end soul, nothing lacking, nothing superfluous, the Zen phrase goes. This end soul is a Zen mandala. There is no depiction of Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, just shunyata, just vast space. This line that encompasses everything that has nothing within. I might say, Not a depiction, but the essence itself of mirror mind. And then under this circle, he drew the character for water. We might understand it as the waves coming and going, all phenomena tossing All of this wondrous movement of form in Faith in Mind by Solsan Zenji that we chanted, whenever that was, earlier this morning. The two exist because of the one, but hold not even to this one. When a mind is not disturbed, the 10,000 things offer no offense. When the 10,000 things are viewed in their oneness, we return to the origin and remain where we ever have been. This is so And so Kyozan did this and then looked at the monk. What is your experience of the simultaneity of oneness and the 10,000 things, huh? How you manifest it. And so Fugai comments, lure. Fishing, right? Fishing. But this poor monk couldn't even bite, let alone be reeled in. And so Fugai says, the sprinter falls down. He was quick enough to show off at Kyozan's side, but too bad. Nyogen Senzaki's comment, quite admiring of Kyozan, seeing into the silent fastness, just as when he stood by his teacher Isan's side with free hands. And then he says, Silently watching the waves curl and wet his feet. Shunyata, vast ocean waves, never apart from the ten thousand things. It's not Let me get out of my entanglements and then I will do good zazen, right? It is simultaneous. So we have this small koan. Kyozan is just sitting. A monk comes and stands next to him in whatever condition of mind and Kyozan silently gives it all away and the monk can't respond. That's it. All the rest, comments. Comments, this is what happens in each case of the Iron Flute. There is koan, and then comments. It was compiled by Soto Zen Master Genro Oyu in the year 1783, And it was his successor, Fugai, whose caustic, rather sarcastic remarks appear throughout. And so when I read this to you, it's a little confusing. So I try to lower my voice and I I print it out in slightly smaller. But it is, again, this simultaneity. Even though years have passed, Fugai. Sometimes takes his teacher, Genro, to task in a wonderful way, the way that Momon Ekai comments sarcastically often in his verses, in his commentary. Yogen Senzaki began translating this iron flute, in 1939 and he continued working on it while imprisoned at Hart mountain wyoming and mailed sections of it to his disciple ruth strout mccandless for editing so we end with Genroll's verse Then I will read it straight through without fugai so you can perhaps feel what Genro was saying. The character for water, the character, the kanji for water, cannot quench one's thirst. Did you ever try licking a character on paper when you were thirsty? The character for water cannot quench one's thirst, nor can a painting of rice cakes subdue one's hunger. A painting can't be eaten. Kyozan's action brought no merit. Why doesn't he use his big stick on the monk? So, of course, we can't quench our thirst with something that is drawn on paper. However, as Fugai says, see how the giant billows rise. What are billows? The waves, right? See how the billows rise. This is more than a mere drawing of a character. The form of no form is form. Drink deeply from this dharma source. Again, come. Come and drink. And painted rice cakes. Frequently, we come to this kind of metaphor. Painted rice cakes, of course, you will still be hungry. And yet, Fugai says, here's a tray full of cakes. This is it. Taste it. Swallow it down. Fully digest it. And then Kyozon's action brought no merit. You remember what Bodhidharma said to the Emperor Wu and he told him about all the wonderful things he had done for Buddhism in China and then asked, so what merit have I gained? And what merit? <sighs> And here, Fugai says, chosen Nothing to cling to. Nothing to elevate. No one needs to tell you, Oh, good job. Hide your virtue. And then, Last line, why doesn't he use his big stick on the monk? Fugai says, too late. The big stick is already broken. There is no artifice here. There's nothing to add. Just as with Seppo, of whom we heard yesterday, you can try all kinds of artifices, but somehow he clings to his suffering very well. So with the readiness of time and the piling up of snow, ah, at last, the monk will see this monk too we can't force anything we can't make something we can't try to retrieve what is long gone broken nothing there to use just this moment letting mood move, move being breathe This vow of Kyogen meeting the vow of Isan, meeting the vow of each one of you. And as Hakuin Zenji said last night, in his exhortations, you who practice the way, first of all, must have a great vow. Be humble in your words and deeds. It is essential to offer your heart to all sentient beings and to emancipate them without exception. As for the great way of the Buddhas and ancestors, not a single one accomplished the way without great vow. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org donate. Thank you for listening.